thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And welcome to this week's podcast. Now, I'm actually really excited about this week's podcast because we're talking about fat. Yep, you heard me right, fat, but not the kind of fat that sits on your freckle or on your tuck shot arms. (laughs) No, no, not that kind of fat. We're actually talking about the good fats. We're talking about all the fats that are really good for us and some of the fats that are not so good for us. I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation, dispelling some of the myths around, you know, is coconut oil good for us? What about olive oil? What about omega-3, 6s and 9s, flax seeds? Where do we get it from? How do we, how does the body actually respond to fats? These are some of the questions that we've decided we're going to answer for you guys today. So strap yourselves in, get ready, grab a coffee and enjoy the rest of the podcast as we hand it over to the gorgeous Miss Cindy O'Meara to tell us a little bit about some of the fats and the differences between what's a good fat, what's a bad fat, and how do we know when we're in the grocery store? Well, actually, I, I as soon as you said, let's grab a coffee, I went, would that be bulletproof coffee can we have? Have you ever heard of bulletproof coffee, you too? No. Bulletproof coffee? What's bulletproof? Bulletproof coffee. Now, it's all about fat. That's, that's why I brought it up. So what I have every morning now is one tablespoon of butter, two tablespoons of coconut oil, and it must be unsalted, and I put that in my thermi, then I brew up some coffee. A thermi equals oh, thermomix, yes, listeners. Sorry, a thermomix. <laughs> Just for those of you that need a clarification. <laughs> so then I brew up about a 250ml lot of coffee, and I put that in the thermomix, and then I put the thermomix on high for like 20 seconds. And, oh, my gosh, it is the most amazing coffee. Well, wait a second, wait a second. Why did you, hang on, let me write this down. We need to write this so that we can put it on the website at what the end. What was that? What was that? All right, so it's 250 ml of black coffee. Now, it can be, if you know, your best ground organic coffee. One tablespoon of unsalted organic butter. And two tablespoons of coconut oil. And, of course... Remember, coconut oils ain't coconut oil, so we'll be discussing that. Um, but at this point, let's just say two tablespoons of coconut oil. Now, I throw it in the Thermomix, and I whiz it for th- you know, 20, 30 seconds. But you, need, you can do it in a bar mix. You can do it in anything that's a heat-proof container um, you can do it with. So it's just so you're um, emulsifying the butter and the coconut within the coffee. And it, it has this um, latte top on top of it. It's like a latte top. And it makes the coffee taste, it's because there's no sweetener in it, but it makes it taste sweet. It's just got the most beautiful taste to it. Okay, now shut the front door. <laughs> <laughs> let, me just, let me just go to my very first thought. Because you know, listeners, you guys all know that I'm like the guinea pig and I'm always <laughs> the experiment here. When it comes to food and stuff. But OMG, Cindy, I'm thinking that's going to make my freckle huge. No. If I was to have a tablespoon of unsalted butter plus two tablespoons of coconut oil, I mean, you'd be walking around like 10-ton Tessie for a month. Look at me. Cindy Look at is standing up I showing. She's, she's standing up showing. I'm just going to take a photo and we'll put that on the website as well. I Her fabulous freckle. Now, this yeah. is what we're saying. Show us the freckle. Let's have a look at the freckle. freckle, freckle my freckle. Oh, your my freckle. freckle. Well, that would be my stomach. No, your freckle's your butt, love. Oh, my butt. Yes. Show us your butt. 
Nice. We've, right, we've taken a photo. We've done photo shoots. <clears throat> and this is the myth. Oh, my goodness. This is the myth that everybody thinks that if they eat fat, they're going to get fat. Dispel that myth completely. It's actually the opposite. When you, you eat even, fat, you don't get fat. How did you come up with that concoction? I'm sorry, I'm still stuck there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, somebody um, said to me, oh, I, I think I was traveling um, in Nepal. I was in Nepal, and this was what they would do to keep them sustained through mm. um, hikes. They would put the coconut oil in the butter because they had yak butter. It wasn't our butter, but they had yak butter. And so it was basically with the yak butter and the, the coffee, and it was more sustainable than anything that they and would the eat. the coconut oil? No, been. they didn't actually have the oh, coconut okay. oil. I added that. Right. You're the lush. <laughs> right. But then I've seen other people make bulletproof coffee that way too. So Why is it called bulletproof? I don't know. This is what the guy called it was bulletproof coffee. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the guy, but he, he's... He, his website is called Bulletproof Executive or something. Bulletproof Executive. I think, I think. I haven't looked at it. This Let was like a year up. ago I Let started doing up. this. Let me look it up. <laughs> so this was something that would sustain them through their trekking. And when you become a fat burner and not a sugar burner, you need fat in order to keep your energy up because the fat, like especially coconut oil and butter, are, are sources of energy, not sources of stored fat. And mm. that is a, a real mm. um, distinction that we must put here, is that fats can be stored or fats can be um, made as fuel. Okay, so say... Okay, so you know... That's it. And she's just looked it up on I'm, the website and I'm telling her, that's it, there you go, there's your bulletproof coffee. Now, guys, the, the website that I've just pulled up is all the Ws, bulletproof exec. Dot com, um, and I'm going to have a good look through that. It looks like a blog site. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so for a normal person, I mean, how do we? I mean, could I just start making this coffee now and having this as my normal coffee? Is my body automatically going to know now to burn this as a fat rather than burning all the um, chocolate coated almonds that I had <laughs> last night after dinner? <laughs> That would be carb burning, and we want to be fat, fat burning. burning. Right, you are. Right, right. All right. So, look, we have discussed this when we did the HCG protocol. We yes. actually discussed it, but let's let's just we don't we won't discuss the protocol, but let's discuss what's behind the protocol and why we do it. So, we have three types of fat that we use in, in the body. One we use as um, a nice structural fat, so our lovely cheeks and our butt, and um, we have it around our organs to protect them. Uh, we have it around our knees. You know, you don't want no fat on your knees. Otherwise, it would be very bony. And like places like that, we need to have that fat. And we call that structural fat. Then there's reserved fat. And that's the fat that you eat that your body can use within two-day period or straight away. It's, it's, a, it's a reserve. So if you don't burn it all, you can burn it later. So that's your reserve fat. Then there's your stored fat, your abnormal um, stored fat. And I call it abnormal because most people have over five kilos on them. Jeepers, of fat. Of fat on them, yeah. The, over well, five hello, kilos. welcome to my life, love. Welcome to my life. I know, but it's just when you see that, when you watch The Biggest Loser or things like that, and they put that amount of weight in butter or something like that, when oh, they show it like I that, know. I go, gosh, that's yeah. a lot of weight. But that's over and above your, all your, your structural. normal structural mm. fat and your other fat that you must have. So the, what happens is what we've realized is that when we 
our five kilos over or five kilos under our natural weight. And I, and I call it a natural weight because it's a weight that the body will go to when you don't overfeed it and you don't underfeed it. And that you don't over-exercise it and you don't under-exercise it. And it's and most people um, will know what their normal, you know, their normal weight. They feel good at a certain weight. So I feel good at 60 kilos. And a lot of people look at me and say, you don't look 60 kilos, but I am. And I feel really good at 60 kilos. What do you feel good at, Kim? I'm 56 kilos. And you feel good at 56? Yeah, really. So we know what it is. What about you? Well, Karen? hello. <laughs> Okay, well, at the moment, I'm 63, but I think I would feel good at 60. Yeah. 59, so you know. 60, because I'm only short. Yeah. Mm, you're very cute and short. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not, you're not that five kilos over or that five kilos under. Because what they've figured in evolution is that if you have over five kilos more than your natural weight, um, your leptin, which is your master hormone, starts to become less responsive to the, re the receptor sites. And if you're under, it does the same thing. And in actual fact, it starts to go, hang on, there's no leptin here, either under or over, because you've become desensitized to too much leptin. And your body says, please feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And you eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. So when you um, eat the right types of food and you get down to within that normal weight, weight range, the body starts to burn fat rather than carbs. So it becomes a fat burner, not a sugar burner. And if you eat the right types of fats rather than the wrong types of fats, you know, you're home and hose. So the idea is to get down to within that normal range yes. of weight first and then start applying the fat consumption type. Yeah, and the way we get down to that normal weight is we do the HCG. Of course. Um, but if you're 60 kilos over, you can't do that in one go. You've got to do it over a period of time. Yeah. But in the in the middle, you need to eat the fats and you need to eat the right fats. Because if you're not eating the right fats and the body, uh, well, it will start looking for stored fat. But there's only so much, and, and I have to go through evolution to te to, to talk about this, Evolution, there was so much summer, so much winter, and so much spring and autumn. And it all depended what was available in food as to what our body needed and what it could burn. So when people do the HCG and we say, you know, only do it for a period of 40 days at the, 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 at the most, then you've got three weeks of maintenance. You know, you're looking at 61 days, which is getting close to the time of winter, if we look at that, you know, at that time. So what we do is we fake the body into believing that winters and summers are coming. So we give it food for the summer and we take food away for the winter. Because in the summer is when we ate lots of fruits and everything was available. There was lots of fat animals around because there was lots of grass. So we ate a lot of fat. But in the winter, the, you know, the animals were scarce and they didn't have a lot of fat on them. So we ate less fat. So we don't do that now. We have abundant amount of fat available to us in every shape mm. and form, uh, and many of them are, are fake fats. And, and so our bodies have lost the ability to know when to, to sugar burn and when to fat burn. So I, I'm a fat burner, and I know that, because I can eat um, enormous amounts of good quality fats and not put an ounce of weight on. The minute I eat carbs or sugars, um, I put weight on. It just as goes well, on yeah, you away. cannot have carbs and fats together. That's well, you can't have these sugary carbs mm -hmm. and yeah, fats sugar together. And fat together yeah. is, it's just, and that's where people, I think, get 
get mucked up when they think coconut oil is a bad oil or they think that they shouldn't be eating butter or all those sorts of things because they get confused because they do yeah. put on weight. But then if you had a look at your diet, you'd be amazed at how much sugar is actually in your diet and that combined is what causes... I know myself, if I'm eating a lot of sugary carbs, my weight fluctuates very much. Yeah. But I can eat fat like you and I can eat a lot of fat and I really enjoy it. Um, and, <laughs> and it actually makes you... Like I just bought today with us into the into the studio today, I've bought cashew cream, which is coconut cream, cashews <laughs> and a little bit of one teaspoon of vanilla essence and it's just heaven to put on fruit or to put on, you know, just as a snack. I just have one tablespoon and I'm done for a little while, you know. It's a great mm. little... Shall we get Ooh. some out? <laughs> and, then, and then I made um, a chocolate cake with lots and lots of butter yeah, um, because and eggs. So there's six eggs in it and 150 grams of butter yeah. in the cake. And there's cacao as well, which has got the cacao butter in it as well. So um, And guys, I made vegetable soup. <laughs> <laughs> and we are glad you did. We are, because we do need to have our veggie soup, you know. <laughs> Like uh, these are our treats, you know. Mm. These are and, and yeah, yeah, it's not our everyday. But they're good quality treats. Don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> they're good quality treats. The thing is, is that how often do you treat yourself? Daily. <laughs> well, that was Kim. Kim told me that uh, we should be self self care indulgent. Well. So isn't it self indulgent? So do, yeah. do we treat? Do we treat after every meal? No, no. We don't. Oh damn, no, we don't. No, really? No, no. Oh hell, then I missed that one. No. <laughs> Did we do a podcast on treats? Is that where that three kilos extra is? Well, yes, it actually is. Because I I have this insatiable desire to reward myself for a fabulous meal after every meal. Well, and that's where perhaps, you know, if you do cut out sugar out of your diet, even a blueberry or a piece of apple or something feels like a treat because it's so sweet. So I think the problem that we have a lot in today's society is, I mean, we've gone from eating zero sugar Back in the hunter-gatherer day, very well, and very little, very little yeah. sugar. Except in the summer, we had our yeah, fruits. fruit. Yeah, two eating sixty kilograms of sugar a year. The average Australian will eat in their diet. Oh, stop it! That just makes me. Want I to read promise. this the other day. Came out in one of the reports. Sixty kilograms of sugar a year we are eating and consuming, and we wonder why we are at an obese, having obesity epidemics mm, everywhere. Mm, well, yeah. I think a lot of it's got to do with the sugar addiction, and that's another podcast. Yeah, we are um, going to do one on sugar. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Can we just so. go back to your need for a sweet treat after your meal? Mm. One thing that um, I know works is having a tablespoon of coconut oil, either before you eat, at probably before and after you eat, yeah, I know, I know. She's looking at me with really, like her nose is what, screwed up. What, you put it in, you and... put the spoon into the jar and eat a tablespoon? Yeah, basically. Oh, that's kind of that... Yeah, that... <laughs> well, you could do that. Why not just make yourself up some bulletproof coffee? You'll be fine. I just... would be zinging. I can't drink coffee. But you can, like, you could do... Make it with a decaf. Yeah. Oh, well, but decaf coffee's gone through a chemical... Pro- I don't know. I just, I don't like coffee. I love the smell of it, but I don't like coffee. Well, then, then you know, sweetness, you don't get to have the luxury of the bulletproof <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Find something else, Presh. Is there a bulletproof hot chocolate? <laughs> you could do it. Well, no. You could do it with no, a No, I do it. Not do, do a chai. A bulletproof chai. Well, this is what I... Because uh, what happened in America is that... Um, no, I was in Canada. And, you know, everyone's having cocktails. And I don't like cocktails. And there was hot buttered rum. <gasps> hot buttered rum. And I went, hot buttered rum. That's butter and rum. I, I could do that. I could do that. So I asked the girl, how's it made? And she bought... The, the jar and what they do, they do put sugar in this one, is that they combine sugar and butter and then they put cinnamon and all sorts of spices in it. 
Then what they do is they add the, the mixture to hot water and then add a shot of rum. Oh. OMG. And then they fizz it up like a bulletproof coffee. You know, they, they oh. put it in a... Yeah. So I had that. I would have... Um, For someone who doesn't drink alcohol... Rum. I'm a little bit worried about you now. <laughs> well, everybody was having cocktails and I went, okay, let's join in on this, you know, let's join in on it. Let's, let's succumb to peer pressure. Yes, yes, let's, let's do it. <laughs> but then I got the idea, I went, well, I do bulletproof coffee and here's hot buttered rum and this has got spices in it. So my next experiment is to try some spices nice. or chai tea hot I'd buttered like rum. I'd like to try chai tea. Yeah, I reckon mm. we could do that. Let's do that in the break. Yeah, yeah. All right. Can we take a break now? <laughs> <laughs> is it time? No, girls? No, no, no. I do believe we need to continue. So let's start talking about fats. Yes. Let's move on from buttered rum. Yes. Let's let's talk about fats and 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 what's a good fat, what's a bad fat. Mm. I mean, it, I mean, I think most people would question whether butter was a good fat mm. because it's it's an animal fat, isn't it? Yes. So tell us about all of that. T- fill us in. All right. So let's go back in history because that's where we need to go to why we have such an aversion to fat now. So if we go back in history, we go um, back to a gentleman by the name of Ansel Keys. So in around about 1960-something, he was on the front cover of Time magazine as he had found the answer to heart disease because heart disease was beginning to happen within the USA Um, and Ansel Keys was a researcher in the US. And he had found the answer and the answer was animal fats cause heart disease. So what he did was he did, um, I think his first study was a six-country study and his second was a seven-country study. But in the six-country study, he actually studied 22 countries. But every country but the six countries he actually put into the study said the opposite to what these six countries said, which was obviously countries that don't eat animal fat have less heart disease. But he didn't put France in. He didn't put places like that in. He put in, in, in populations where his theory worked for him. So, but is that a lot of scientific oh, data? It's manipulated. I mean, that's absolutely. why statistics and results and, and research is a bit scary sometimes. It's very scary. But it, look, it's all out, you know, in the public domain mm. to see. I've written a whole mm. report on mm. Ansel Keys and what he did. But he convinced the American Heart Foundation that his everything was right. And so from the 1960s, margarine stopped being, because it wasn't an animal fat, it stopped being a cheap. Um, a cheap um, substitute to butter, it then became a healthy substitute to butter. Mm. So margarine all of a sudden became the the whiz-bang new thing to have, but it was made from vegetable oil. Mm. The the problem with Ansel Keys doing this is that everybody started to eat margarine, and all you have to do to figure out how many people are eating margarine is go to the supermarket, like everybody after the podcast, go to the supermarket, have a look at how much margarine and how much butter is in the fridge and you'll notice that you can hardly find butter. Mm. It's like this small 10, 20% mm. and the rest is margarine and mm. margarine has just taken over. Mm, absolutely. So when we have a look at how margarine is made and the whole history of margarine um, and the fact that the Heart Foundation will not take its tick of approval off margarine disgusts me to, to no end. Um, but they're still supporting this as a healthy fat. But it all started back with Ansel Keys. So that was the 1960s. Then in the 1980s, we all heard about cholesterol. No one had heard about cholesterol before. Mm. And cholesterol became something that's linked to um, heart disease. But interesting, December 2012, Dr Oz, who they call him the Oprah of health now, came on and said, 
you know, likening cholesterol to causing heart disease is like, um, I, I can't remember what he, I only heard it last night, um, but he said it's just BS. Mm. It's basically cholesterol has nothing to do with your heart disease. Mm. Um, cholesterol is the good guy, isn't it? Cholesterol yeah. comes in when there's irritation and inflammation. Exactly. Mm. exactly. And then people measure the cholesterol and then they think that that's the problem. So it's like, I love your analogy of scratching the arm. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and if, when you scratch your arm, it creates an irritation or an inflammation. The body goes, oh, hang on a minute. And so it's almost like cholesterol is the policeman. Tell me if I'm saying this right. Yeah. The policemen come in and try and support and, and look after the place. But because there's raised levels of police now, they're seen as the culprit. Yeah. rather than the, the problem. Is that right? Well, the, the way I say it is I, I say pretend that you're from outer space and you're hovering above um, a city that is filled with violence and, and, and everything's going wrong in the city and you're hovering and you've just come to earth, you know nothing about our community and you notice that in every hot spot and it might be a domestic or it might be a murder or a car accident or a fire or whatever, but you notice there's red and blue lines at all of these hotspots. And these red and blue lights are what you think is that obviously there's red and blue lights everywhere, therefore they're the problem, let's get rid of the red and blue lights. Mm. And we did the same thing. Mm. We looked down um, at our arteries and we noticed that cholesterol was always at clogged arteries. Mm. But they were the red and blue lights. They were the police. They were there to protect us. And we took it away. We mm. took the cops away. But, but then, but then everyone started focusing. Sorry, my darling. Yeah. So everyone started focusing on the LDL and the HDL and looking mm. at the bad cholesterol. And that's the whole rap that fat keeps getting is this bad cholesterol. Can you explain that? Okay, so there's good and bad cholesterol. And and my thing is this: is mine go? How can there be anything good and bad in the body that's when right. when they actually the do bad. opposing things? They're homeostasis. Mm. So one takes it from the tissues and puts it into the liver to store. And it puts it into the liver to store for a very good reason, and that is to use it at a later date. Mm. The other one puts it in the, takes it from the liver and puts it into the tissues. And what, that, and what that is to do is that that is to give the tissues the cholesterol that it needs in order to make vitamin D, mm. in order for it to make um, cells, in order for it to make hormones, in order for it to make cortisol, adrenaline, you know, mm. noradrenaline, all of these things cholesterol it's makes. Important. It's really important. So then when we take the cholesterol, because what they want to do is that they want to get rid of the cholesterol that goes from the liver to the, the tissues, but they're quite happy with the one that takes it from the tissues to the liver for storage. Like, to me, you, there is no such thing as bad and good. It's a homeostatic mechanism. They're both needed. They're both required. They're both important. And, and the research I've been hearing lately is these anti-cholesterol drug medications, what are they called? Statins. Um, statins are causing more problem than the so-called bad mm. cholesterol and the reactions people, and often the, the reaction to this medication is causing more problems, is that right? Well, one of the, one of the things is low vitamin D. Hello, mm. we need cholesterol to make vitamin D. You lower the cholesterol, you don't have the vitamin D. Another one is hormonal problems, thyroid problems, and they're, they're actually linking it to dementia and mm. Alzheimer's now. Mm. Especially one, people that have been on it for 20 years, you know. It's that if same you, approach of trying to come in and yeah. fix one single thing. It's mechanistic. This, mm. is, this is the thing. I mean, we're sitting here having this conversation. How come, how come you know it, but the people who are determining the very health and longevity of society don't? We cannot be that short-sighted. We cannot be that stupid. Surely to goodness. Are we that stupid? Well, I, th I think what 
what we don't realise is that back in, oh, I think it was the early 1900 and something, um, there was a report called the Flexner Report. And the Flexner Report was um, for the Rockefeller um, Foundation. And the Rockefeller Foundation uh, wanted to find um, a, a community of, of health professionals that could um, help them with their, their medications and their drugs. And so what they did was that they, they did, the Flexner Report was something that looked at the education of medical doctors. And it was really bad, like really bad. So what they decided to do, and they call this efficiency in philanthropy, what the Rockefeller Foundation ended up doing was that they, they decided that they would educate and put a lot of money into the education of um, medical doctors or GPs. And basically, the, the way medicine has been educated and the funding that's given to them is, is by drug companies. And and every you can ask any doctor that they are asked to go to conferences that are funded by um, drug companies or pharmaceutical companies that give them the research that they've paid for to tell them that this drug is perfect for this situation. You know, the statin industry, the wow. statin drug industry is an $80 billion industry to the drug companies. $80 billion per annum industry. So they're not going to say, oops, we made a mistake. So okay, so let's just let's 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 get down to tin tax then on this. So our doctors are not actually educated in the medical profession at all, really. They might know about anatomy and physiology, but it kind of stops there because from that point forward, the rest of their education is driven by our pharmaceutical companies, which are driven by profits. Yeah, they don't have a lot of understanding around the biology or the reaction well, no, of food no, look, or things, do, do they? They do a lot of year of study. They know. I've heard that there's hardly any nutrition. Oh, study. there's no nutrition. Like there's very little nutrition, but they do a lot of study on the human body. They they do know the human body, but the, it's the same with the nutrition courses. The nutrition courses are teaching that margarine and low fat and all that stuff is the way it should go. And uh, look, there was a um, a a conference in America in Indianapolis um, while I was in Canada, which was you know in um, April this year, and it was funded by ten companies. And this was a dietetics and nutrition was funded by the first company was Lean Cuisine. Oh. The second was um, California Almonds, which I was really happy with. The next was Coca-Cola. The next was McDonald's, McDonald's was it? Um, another one was um, Goodman, not Goodman Field, um, something Mills. Can't remember, but it's a huge food company. Um, it was all these huge food companies that are, are making foods that are made with additives, reserves and flavorings. Then there were three drug companies. This is what our, our nutrition and dietetics are being funded by. So you go to a, a conference where doctors go to learn and they're funded by drug companies. But I'm suggesting that there's a chance that this could change because I only have to look back at um, Danny playing international cricket and he was sponsored by a brewery and a cigarette company. So Rothmans used to be the whole big thing. If you look back at cricket games, there's always Rothmans and alcohol, mm, mm. you know, yeah, advertising yeah. and support. And it's come about because everybody now realizes how bad smoking and how detrimental alcohol can be. Mm. So surely if we keep vigilant about this and we keep on this case and we stop taking the drugs or we stop listening to what people tell us to do and maybe I shouldn't be saying that because then I'll get in trouble because I'm not a doctor, but in all reality, question it at least, surely at some point we will tip the scales the other way again where these pharmaceutical companies won't be able to be... Have a, they won't have a business if we're not using them. 
Is it? Not well, the, the, the drug companies actually own a lot of the chemicals that the food companies use in order to um, have it made. And the... Um, and it just keeps going on. Like the the drug companies not only own a lot of the food companies now, um, but the food companies are in cohorts with the drug companies because they make the flavours and the colours and the preservatives and the additives and everything like that. So they're all in there together. So we're going to kill ourselves out. Well, there'll be a percentage of people that won't listen and there'll be a percentage of people who are listening to this podcast that go, well, I'm not prepared to support... Um, companies that are like this so Monsanto why you know don't it's very hard not to be in bed with Monsanto in this day and age and Mm. modern day living because they are in bed with everybody Mm. and no matter even if you go and buy a piece of fruit Monsanto may have had something to do with that piece of fruit in a a chemical that that was given Mm. to the farmer that created the you know like but that we can do the best that we can do and that is go to your local farmers markets and stay away from these companies. Um, so, so back to fats. Fats, yeah. Let's just get back to fats. <laughs> Can I just ask you? So we've just talked a little. We've talked a little bit now about you know a good fat. Can you explain? Because often we'll hear in marketing or advertising different things like polyunsaturated, uh, monounsaturated, saturated, like. They, they use all these jargons and, and, and which, which is good and which isn't and why should I be looking and why is a, an olive oil a good oil and why is a coconut oil now seen as a miracle oil and yet before it was thought as a saturated flour. Like it's like, oh my gosh, I just feel so sorry for all of us out there trying to understand yeah. what is fat and how good is it. Okay. So let's, let's make it really simple to begin with. So science um, has identified that there are only two fats that are essential for us. So they're called essential fatty acids. Um, and one's an omega-3 and one's an omega-6. And essential fatty acids mean that the body must eat it in order, or we must consume it, in order to make all the other fats, such as EPA, GLA, DHA, all these ones that are now in vitamin and mineral formulas. We only need these two, an omega-3 and an omega-6. They're, they're essential fatty acids. That's it. That's all you really do need. But we're also very fortunate that there are other fats that will just help the body along, you know. So if we eat fish, it has EPA and DHA in it. And EPA and DHA, the body has to make from essential fatty acids. But if fish has already made it for us, then we can eat the fish and get it and it's more efficient. But notwithstanding that you can still do this, you can still do it yourself, but you just have to make sure you're eating the right types of fats, which are omega-3s and omega-6s. Um, and so we bought out an oil called the Inca Inchi oil, which is 86% essential fatty acids. So it's 48% omega-3, um, and it, it, the rest is um, omega-6, and then it has saturated fats and other things in it. And what you will notice that with every vegetable oil out there from olive to avocado to um, walnut, almond, um, flaxseed, um, boral, what was it called? Um, Yeah, one of those. All of the oils have a percentage of saturated fat, every single one of them. Could be 6%, could be 10%, but they all have that saturated fat. And because every single oil has its own unique properties, Mm. every single nut has its own unique properties, so to say almond oil is what you should be having, 
I disagree. Yes, you can have almond and walnut and flax and ink inchi and olive and, and spread your oils out, avocado oil, because every single one of them uh, are different in their monosaturated fats, their polysaturated fats, their saturated fats, everything. They're all unique. So my thing is have variety. That, you know, that's the thing. Uh, and and the, the, the big thing at the moment is the fish oils. You know, the fish oil is, is what everybody thinks they should be eating. But the fish oil industry, once upon a time, was ethical like everything else and has now become something that, you know, they're actually adding soybean oil to it, um, encasing them in things that have propylene glycol in them. You, you should see what they're doing in the fish oil industry. Like I would never take a capsule of fish oil. Uh, I would consider, if I wasn't very healthy, I would consider a bottle of pure um, fish oil, but the problem with that is it's very hard to find a bottle of pure fish oil. It would be very expensive. Number and how do one. they preserve it? Uh, it preserves itself because it's got its own mm. um, essential fats that preserve it. Because fats are a way of preserving. Yeah. They're antioxidants. They you know, they're an antioxidant, so they actually preserve themselves. But in order to extract it from the the fish, they have to kill five kilos of fish for a kilo of fish oil. So yeah, yeah. it's very wasteful, and uh, you know, in my way of thinking, it's not sustainable and it's not ethical. So I look for a plant-based one, and the plant-based one that I I came up with was Inky Inchi oil. It was the best that I could come up with, um, and eating fish at the same time. So I have you know at least two servings of fish a day, uh, a day, a week with your Inky Inchi oil. Then you'll be getting the essential fatty acids you need and that extra EPA and DHA if you need that, if your body needs it. And do we need unsaturated fats in the body as much as saturated or either or? Well, um, our unsaturated fats are actually our essential fatty acids. Mm. Our saturated fats are different. Yes. They give us and a source of energy. And the unsaturated fats are tend to be more liquid at room temperature That's and a right. saturated fat is solid at room well temperature. Yep. Yeah. Unsaturated fats, liquid at room temperature, the more saturated it becomes, the more solid it becomes. Mm -hmm. So if we look at cacao, mm. butter, mm. see how saturated that is because it's just so hard. Mm. So you know that it's um, a very, very high saturated fat. Mm. Same with coconut oil, but it's not as saturated. Like, you know, it has got some saturation, um, but there's there's some unsaturated fat in there as well. So it's it's not as hard at room temperature. Mm. Yeah, and olive oil, if you put it in the fridge, it will go hard. Mm. So it's got some saturated fat in it, and it'll it'll make it go hard. So let's talk about oils with food and eating. So the latest things we've been hearing is that you should not heat olive oil. So olive oil is loaded in omega-3s or 6s? More 6s? Well, more monounsaturated fats. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say it's got probably more 6s than 3s. And I wish I had the table in front of me, but mm. I've actually made a table of every single oil, how much saturated fat, how much unsaturated fat, how much is monounsaturated, and perhaps we can, we can we get that, that table. Yeah, it took me ages to get it together. But I've got every oil I could think of, every fat I could think of, and I've actually put... You know, the essential fatty acids, the saturated, the monounsaturated, the unsaturated, the omega-3s, the omega-6s, the, the muffers, the puffers, the lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge table. It's, and I often go to it, you know, to go, oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So, so does, it, does that table actually describe for people the difference between the saturated, unsaturated, monounsaturated, so that we know what's a good oil versus a, no, a not-so-good oil? No, it doesn't. No, like it doesn't. And, and so let's talk about what's a good oil and what's not a good oil. Anything from nature that's been cold-pressed 
um, or comes from nature without any chemical processing, to me, is a good oil. Whether right. it's saturated, unsaturated, mon- like puffers, muffers, mm. um, whatever <laughs> it is, I don't care. Yeah. If it's from nature, to me, it's a, it's, it's a, a wonderful fat that we should eat. Yeah. The fats that I don't like are the fats that are made in a chemical laboratory or extracted as a result of solvents. Uh, or hydrogenated, uh, yeah, or hydrogenated, intersterified, or fractionated with solvents, because you can fractionate naturally, but you can also fractionate with solvents. Yeah. So, what does all of that mean? Okay, all right, let's go through all that. So, back in the 1920s, I think it was, there was a company by the name of Procter and Gamble. Procter and Gamble um, were manufacturers of candles and um, soap, and they would make up their candles and soap with tallow, which is an animal fat, and it would go rancid very quickly. So they commissioned a scientist to find a fat that never went off. And this scientist figured out that if he threw hydrogen into a vegetable oil, that it would produce a saturated, a, a saturated fat, so a, while it was an unsaturated fat, so it was liquid at room temperature, threw the hydrogen in, became a saturated fat, uh, and he found it never went off. Never, ever, ever went off. So instead of making our soap and candles with this the um, tallow, we started to make it with this hydrogenated vegetable oil. And they could store it for years and years and years and years and years. So what happened was that candles started to be something that we didn't need anymore because we got electricity. They had this technology. It was a vegetable oil. They looked at it and they went, well, if we dye it white, we could call it lard. Let's call it Crisco lard. And that's where Crisco lard came from, was the hydrogenation of a vegetable oil. So it was a vegetable-based lard. But it's still a saturated fat because just because it started as an unsaturated fat, when they threw the hydrogen in, it became saturated. Mm. But it was a a cheap form of lard because lard was quite expensive and it was a cheap form of lard. Then, but originally it was quite innocent though. Very innocent. Vegetable oil is just the extracting of the oil from vegetables? Yeah. Yeah, that was what it was. They just extracted uh, like a nut oil. So it could have been cottonseed oil. It could have been sunflower oil. It could have been rapeseed oil as it was in those days. It was never called canola oil. That was just because they didn't like rapeseed because it didn't have a very good connotation. Mm. So, um, and and Canada wanted their own oil and so they called it canola. Mm. Oh. That's mm. where it came from was Canada. It's a rapeseed. It's still the rapeseed, but it's called canola because it's Canada's oil. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. But it's not a good oil, is it? Well, rapeseed is called rapeseed for a very good reason because it's got very little good quality um, vitamins and minerals in it. Um, the minute you you um, extract the oil from the rapeseed, it goes off and rancid very fast because it doesn't have anything to keep it not going rancid. Whereas olive oil and almond oil and walnut oils have vitamins E's and A in it, which are natural antioxidants. So to canola oil, you have to add an antioxidant and you'll add a synthetic antioxidant to the canola oil in order for it to stay um, something that you can sit out on your barbecue in the sun, in the heat Mm. for the next 10 years and it will never go off. I I had the impression that um, rapeseed oil or canola oil was very manipulated by man though. It's not a, a natural it's not the best naturally occurring oil. Well it, it's just that it's got no nutrition. It's extracted by solvent methods because it's such a small seed. It's, but it's not cheap pressed. too, isn't it? It's very cheap. They add the antioxidant to it and it Is yeah. that the same as rice bran oil? Uh, rice well I look at rice bran this way. I go okay, rice bran. Bran hasn't got any fat in it. The germ has the fat in it. How can we make oil from a bran? 
Mm. So I was very dubious as to why they're calling it rice bran oil. So I looked into it and I noticed that it's actually, they do extract it from the germ, but why they call it bran, I don't know. But have you ever looked at rice? It doesn't have a lot of fat in it. Mm. It's very hard to cold press it. Whereas, you know, you can cold press an almond. Like you can get the Mm. oil out of it, throwing it in the thermix. Mm. But you cannot um, do that with rice. And no matter how long you churn it for, you can do it with coconut. You know, mm. We've, mm. you've done that with coconut. You can churn the oil out of it. You mm. can't do it with rice. It'll just make a flour. So there's not a lot of fat in it. So to get the fat out of it, they must use solvents. Mm. And, and no doubt it has the same ramifications as uh, canola oil. They've got to put an antioxidant in it because the oil will probably go off. So I don't do rice bran oil, I don't do canola oil, I don't do I don't even do grapeseed oil because I don't I've not seen a cold pressed grapeseed oil around. And look at the grapeseed, it's very small, it's not got a lot of fat in it. Um, and the same with cottonseed oil. It's a, a waste product. Once you've you've pulled the cotton off it, like the, the actual um, mm. for making clothes, you've got a seed left and so you have to extract it with solvents. It's a very small seed and you have to extract it with solvent. It's a cheap oil again. So cottonseed oil, rapeseed oil, or canola oil, uh, rice bran oil, and grapeseed oil. Yeah. They're the four that I wouldn't use. Um, and there, there's another one, a soybean oil. I wouldn't use soybean oil because we don't know if it's genetically modified. Um, we do not need the phytoestrogens that um, the oil has, so I just stay away from those. So back to the good or oils. vegetable oil. Yeah, yeah, the word vegetable well, oil. Yeah, tell us what vegetable yeah, oil Yeah, vegetable means. oil means that they've probably taken all of these cheap oils and put it into one, and they just call it massively vegetable oil. Yes, so whenever mm. I see the words vegetable oil, I actually I don't away. buy it. Yeah, yeah I just don't Because you don't know what it is, and yet it sounds natural. It looks good, but it's not really. So we were talking about the hydrogenation of the oil. So we, we got to where Procter & Gamble had the rights to it, and then what they did was they made Crisco, then they made margarine. Um, and by dyeing it yellow, because it, it's not a yellow colour, it's actually quite black. Um, and so they dyed it yellow and called it the cheap version of, of butter. Sorry, sorry, but if it was quite black, you don't just dye something yellow, you must have to bleach it in order to make yeah, it Yeah, bleaching, deodorising, purification, there's like five processes that go oh my along with yeah, and it. Yeah, this is what they were using for candles, right? Yeah, they use it for candles, and they still use it for candles. That's how candles are made, with hydrogenated vegetable oil. You see soybean candles out there? Yeah. Mm. It's hydrogenated soybean oil that they've made a candle out of. And now you're telling us that that's also margarine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, wow. But that, let's just, just just keep going through this process yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. really... Fascinating. It is fascinating because what happened was when Ansel Keys said that animal fats are no good and the Heart Foundation in America said, whoa, let's go with Ansel Keys, they then made margarine the healthy alternative to butter. Not the cheap version of butter, but the healthy alternative to butter. So now that margarine then got all the way through to 2000, I believe, and seven. I think we made it all the way to 2007. That was margarine was made the same way right through to there. Then there was this furor about trans fats. Trans fats are produced as a result of the partial hydrogenation of a vegetable oil. Not the full hydrogenation, hydrogenation because that's saturated, but the partial hydrogenation of a vegetable oil, which means that the butter is not solid like lard, or sorry, margarine is not solid like lard, but it's got that soft and you can leave it, you know, in your fridge and you can spread it. Yeah. So that was the partial hydrogenation. So then trans fats became something that were bad. Partial hydrogenation of a vegetable made trans fats. Margarine became the enemy. 
but it was almost like slid under the table. So obviously Margarine Association said to the Heart Foundation, we'll change our formula, we'll change the way we do things. And so what they did was that they started to hydrogenate their vegetable oils, not partially hydrogenated, and then put a, um, a non-hydrogenated vegetable oil with it to make it a little bit softer. softer. They also created a new process about 25, maybe 30 years ago called intersterification. And intersterification, and I saw the Heart Foundation has just said that all Australian-based margarines are made by intersterification. Now, intersterification produces a fat called an IF, an intersterified fat, which is never has never been seen in nature. Trans fats in minute amounts are found in nature. IFs have never been found in nature. And yet now they're saying they're making margarine of IFs. You watch. 20 years from now, we're going to go, oops, made a mistake. Intersterified fats, we now realise, actually causes a pre-diabetic state within one month of consuming it. As um, some studies have been done. You know, there's got to be further studies about it, but I would never touch a fat that... We're an experiment. We're part of this huge experiment, you know, intersterified fats, hydrogenated fats. You know, it took us from the 1920s to 2007 to realise this. How long is it going to take us to realise about intersterified fats? Well, you only need to see now how quickly trans fats are seen as the baddies. Yeah. So, but then I found out, and please correct me if I'm wrong, they don't even have to write trans fats or they don't even have to say what they're doing if it's under a certain amount. They don't have to actually list it on the ingredients. Is yeah, but right? you can work it out. You right. can work it out. So what you do is you, you pull your ingredients, you know, you pull it over where the nutritional table is and it'll say total fats. And let's say the total fats are 10. So it'll say... Um, 10 you, grams per hundred. Yeah, but let's say that's what the total fat is, is 10. And you'll see that poly is maybe 5, saturated might be 1, um, mono might be one, and then your total's ten. So you know that trans is three. Ah, do you see? Yeah, yeah. I, hope, I hope everyone's figured that out. So all you do is just look at your total fat, add up your other fats, and then you'll know what your trans fats are. Do they have to list the fats on there? Yeah, um, you have to put your monounsaturated and your unsaturated fats have to be on it. And I think your saturated fats have to be on it. There's I, I forget, you know, like there's so many rules around fats. Mm. I and think coconut... they had to save the trans fats on there. No. Oh, is that right? No. That's what we were just saying. They can avoid it. They can avoid putting a trans fat on there. But they yeah. they do it in a sneaky way. They put total fats. But yeah. Then, mm. Some will put trans fat on. But mm. because trans fat is such a dirty word, they've got to hide it somewhere mm. if, they, if it's in there. Well, interestingly enough, um, the products that don't have trans fats will say trans fat zero. Mm. Yes. But the products that do have trans fats don't, don't mention it. it. Yeah. yeah, and and what you've got to realise is that trans fats are in, in naturally in foods. They are in our dairy. They're in um, in our meat fats. They are in there, but in very small percentages. But a, a trans fat is produced in a chemical laboratory as a result of a partial hydrogenation of a vegetable is far different from the trans fat mm. that is in nature mm. naturally. Mm. So I don't have a problem with any trans fats in, in their small amounts that are given to me because nature is provided. And where would you see those naturally occurring trans fats? Like I said, in, in most animal products oh, animals. it's usually in. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so it'll be a minute amount in your butter and a minute amount might be in your meat that you're eating. Or, But these are naturally occurring trans fats. It's those intersterified fats that have never even found in nature that are being produced as a result of the intersterification of the fat 
which is how margarine in Australia, as the Heart Foundation has told me, is made now, which really concerns me. So what's the process of intersterification? I knew you were going to ask me that. I've actually written a whole report on it. Okay. And it's so involved chemically that, oh, wow. that I, I, I can't repeat it. I'd, like, I would have to have it standing in front of me, which I don't have right now. How could our listeners get a hold of that if they were interested? Can they subscribe to something of yours? Can they sign up? Can you yeah, if sell them? If you go to changinghabits.com.au yeah, and um, go to the reports, yeah, and it, it's the whole report on Ansel Keys. So it's the report on fats ain't fats, I think it is, or oils ain't oils. or mm. I, Look, I don't even remember the name of the report, but um, perhaps we can... Um, people will find it mm. because there's only one really big report on fats. Mm. Yeah, and so they right. will find it in my reports on changinghabits.com.au. Right, and it's yeah. it's definitely I love your reports. They're very they you put it in layperson's terms as well, which I think is mm. really helpful. And I also think you give a really good explanation. So it's worth going to your website and looking Look, at. I those. think it is. If you really want more information about that, it is worth looking at. Mm. Uh, you know, and I don't even mind us giving this away mm. to our listeners. So all they have to do is um, email inquiries at changinghabits.com.au. Mm-hmm. Tell them that they've listened to the podcast mm-hmm. and can they have the report. On fat. On fat. Nice. Yeah, I That's think really we'll, generous. We'll give it away. Rather than getting people to have to find it, they just have to do that and the girls will send it to them. Nice. Yeah, at the at the front desk. They'll they'll help them. So as far as so okay, so we've now have we finished the whole process of intercerification and all that yeah, stuff? I think I think people have to realise that margarine um, is not only that, it's also got Colours in it. It also has flavourings. Flavourings, because it has to taste like butter. Mm. It has um, BHA and BHT, which have been implicated in the cancer, in causing cancer in rats. Now, I know that's not humans, but I'm just letting you know. Mm. So, BHA and BHT, which are what we call antioxidants, but they're made by man. They're, they're man made antioxidants. They also add this thing called a um, plant sterile. Mm. And there's been a lot of information in research about plant sterols being something that will lower your cholesterol. Mm. So, of course, every margarine company puts these plant sterols in and then charges you, instead of, it probably costs them 50 cents to make, they charge you seven ninety five because it's got the heart tick of approval and because it also has uh, the plant sterols in it. But we had a meta-analysis done beginning of this year, I think it was, the meta-analysis was done that said that plant sterols have nothing to do with your cholesterol and it's a waste of time. But margarine um, companies are still putting it in and they're still saying we'll lower your cholesterol. It's, it's BS the whole way. Go eat your broccoli. Mm-hmm. You'll get plant sterols in it. You know, mm. eat anything with a plant and you'll mm. get plant sterols. Why do margarine put the sterol in it and then say that it's going to do this? You know? Okay, so take me into your kitchen, into your pantry. Yeah. Tell me the oils that you'd like to have lined up on your shelf. Well, I definitely have coconut oil. Mm-hmm. I definitely have my Inky Inchi oil. But I also love avocado oil, almond oil, walnut oil. But I don't buy them all at once because they go off, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I want to buy them fresh. So when I know walnuts, are, uh, which is the winter fruit in Victoria, when I know they're being picked, I'll order a heap of walnut from um, a walnut farm that cold presses walnuts, and I'll have that. And, and then avocado oil, we're very lucky in, in Mulaney. We have a beautiful um, farmer up there that produces avocados and cold presses his oil. So that's local, I'll buy that. And macadamia up and, here. And macadamia nut oils. You know, the, I, I, you know I, I love 
um, the macadamia nut factory um, and I get my oil from them when I'm there. So I'm forever changing my oils around. But my two basic oils are coconut oil for cooking and inky inchy fur for um, anything cold. So my pestos, my salad, um, dressing. salad dressings, if I put it in a smoothie. I'll even put coconut oil in a smoothie. So. And my other fat is butter. So I always have butter. Mm. So they're my three basic fats for... You don't talk about olive oil though? Yeah, yeah. I love olive oil too. Mm. Not, I love oil, olive oil, but our olive oil um, has once again been bastardized, but I'll buy local olive oil. I will and buy And olive oil that's green, which means it's virgin cold pressed yeah. and yeah. beautiful and yeah. rich in color. And, and it hasn't been purified, deodorized um, and whatever else they do to well, our Well, then oils. they light, when you buy olive oil light and things like that, you're just mm-hmm. buying a processed oil. It's probably lost all its mineral and vitamin content. Yeah, and what, look, we're really lucky because olive oil is local mm. um, in Australia and there are lots of... The, olive oil is probably local all over the world. Mm. You just have to find your local source. The same with your avocado oils or the walnut oils and you just got to find your local sources and use them, you know, use them. But I never, ever, ever now heat with oil. Only coconut. Only coconut oil and butter are the mm. only two things now that I, I heat. I won't use my beautiful cold-pressed oils. I won't heat them mm. because there's too much nutrition in there without heating them and destroying that nutrition. I, don't, I just don't want to do that anymore. Mm. And now with coconut oil, you know. Um, We've all gone a bit coconutty. Yeah, we have gone a bit mm. coconutty, haven't mm. we? Yeah. We're having quite a lot of coconut oil in this. But let's talk coconut. about coconut oil because mm. there is coconut oils and coconut oils. Um, some coconut oil is made from copra. And copper is, a, is the dried meat of the coconut that basically is put into vats in the hot um, Pacific regions where we grow our coconuts. It's then shipped to Europe um, where there are oil refineries, basically. And in the time it's shipped, it, it ferments. So this oil has to be deodorized, has to be purified, has to be everything done to it, as well as they hydrogenate it. And I never understand why do they hydrogenate coconut oil. Mm. But I think it's for stability and long life. Mm. I actually believe that that's the reason they hydrogenate that, add more hydrogen to it for their stability. And then there is coconut oil that is produced at the site where the coconuts are are actually um, growing. And that's the coconut oil that I suggest that people buy. But how do you know whether it's from copper or, or, or otherwise? You have to mm. um, trust your supplier. So what we did was that we went looking. Um, I went um, to this, this food fair and I met all the coconut growers around the South Pacific and um, brought them all home and we all tasted them and we all experimented with them. And some people reacted to some of these coconuts oils where some of the coconut oils we didn't react at all so we we put it out to the healthy living club as well and people who were reacting to one coconut oil but weren't reacting to our supplier of coconut oil so um you know we've we've got a great beautiful relationship with these people now um and our oil comes from the solomon islands and the oil is produced there and i cannot call it cold pressed because there has to be a little bit of warming so it's not a cold pressing. It, there is some warming, but it's organic um, and it's um, ultra filtered. So we put it through sieves and nobody seems to be reacting to this coconut oil because mm. coconut oil has things that you know can cause inflammatory responses um, in some people, but it depends on how it's processed, we're realising. And the other thing to remember with all these beautiful cold pressed and virgin 
standard oils is they're fantastic for the skin. Oh, oh So you gosh. can actually use these on the body yeah. as a form of treatment rather than buying all these products that, again, are totally um, chemically altered in order to create smoothness. Or, I mean, we could even mention very quickly, you know, mineral oil, which is a massive oil. They like to talk, sort of talk about it as a, as a great oil in the skincare industry, but I can tell you this, mineral oil is petroleum-based. There it's is nothing. It's the worst it's, product. It's one of the worst, and it's one of the most. It's probably used in about 90% of the skincare industry. Mm. So whenever I have someone say to me they've got, let's say, athlete's foot, or they've got a scalp that's dry, or they've got a baby with um, cradle cap, or my first thing I always say is, get straight into coconut oil. It is so antifungal. It is such an amazing oil to use on the skin. And I always think I can I can honestly go from my bathroom to my kitchen and my kitchen to my bathroom and use those products in mm. both rooms. Mm. And that to me is a healthy home and healthy oils and healthy fats. So if I've run out of oil in my kitchen, I go to my bathroom, I get my coconut oil from there and vice versa. <laughs> agree, agree. It's, it's yes. so good. So from a skincare point of view, we know that olive oil is a lot thicker and a lot more viscous. We use it um, particularly in winter or for people with colder limbs and, and, and hands and feet, people like that, because it is a lot thicker and, it's, and it does tend to warm the body. So on a good cold-pressed olive oil is fantastic on the body. Coconut oil is for all conditions, skin conditions. Um, and even as a deodorant, people can use a small amount under their arms as deodorant because of the antifungal properties. Add a bit of bicarb soda to it and a little bit of essential oil and you have yourself a very nice natural deodorant, I'm just saying. Um, well, looky there. Mm, because we, we were just using the bicarb before. Yeah, but a lot of people shave and wax and they react with the bicarb soda a little bit because it's a bit stingy. I do. Mm. I get little lumps and itches. Okay, so add rush. a little bit of coconut oil to oh. it and it really helps Nice and soothing. Mm. Nice and mm. soothing. But the, one of the best hair treatments is oh, coconut, coconut and jojoba oil. And Love you can it. make a blend with the two of them. Add things like geranium and rosemary and you can do an oil treatment. You can warm oil in the top of a vaporizer, like a ceramic vaporizer, and you can do a warm face mask. Like... To me, everything you're saying about the food, I look at it on the outside and go, everything Cindy has said about every single oil are oils that I would never use in the skin. You would never see us use rice bran oil in a face product um, or vegetable oil. Everything we use is almond, macadamia, olive, avocado, walnut. Um, and jojoba and coconut. So um, I think, you know, I know we're coming to the close of this. So I just think it's really important that when it comes to oil, one of the things I look for when I'm buying for it is I do look for the words cold-pressed or virgin uh, or organic, although organic doesn't always mean that it's cold-pressed, I'm finding. Mm. Um, and I, as far as skincare is concerned, I want to see, also on the skincare label, I want to see the botanical source, the name of it. So I want to see what that botanical name is that I know it's come from a proper plant. That's personally what I look for when I'm looking for it in a skincare. Um, they can actually whip oils. You can whip oils and make them more solidified. So it's not hydrogenating it, but when you whip it with a certain number of, particularly something like coconut oil, apparently, I don't know the actual process, but I know our manufacturers do this for us for our body lotion, which is basically our oils whipped for people that like a more creamy lotion rather than putting oil on the skin. So is it a bit like like butter, you know, when you yes. put your cream yes. in? Yes, mm. yes. And then, you, oh, 
Oh. And you whip it, apparently. Can we whip it in the thermomix? Well, I was going to... just I, While we've <laughs> been talking... Try, won't we? While yeah. I've been talking, I've been texting our um, manufacturer. <laughs> See, she doesn't listen to me. She texts her manufacturer. And while, and while we've been talking, I've been Googling walnut oil. Because yeah. I've been watching you and I want to order some of that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm wanting to... I'm thinking if I can whip up some of that oil and make a, a, a walnut butter, shut the front door. Well, <laughs> well, i tell you what we do. Cindy, Stop it. Cindy and I have made our own butter in our Thermomix. It takes only a, a matter of minutes with the way the Thermomix does it, but apparently you can go, do it without Thermomixes as well, but it's the easiest, quickest way. Then we have our buttermilk and butter left. Now, if you put that butter in the fridge, it does go quite go rock hard, hard. Yeah. and you can't spread But add your walnut oil, your, yeah. uh, not even coconut, you add your olive oil or add things to it, and you can actually make the most beautiful butters. Nice, nice, nice idea for those of those those people who are you know into the butter. Um, the butter. And Remember, she's not. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, my mum's not either. She's not really going down that path. But I think um, it would be beautiful. And I have tried that when I was eating normal people milk. Um, <laughs> is it normal people milk, though? Normal, normal pe- it's not normal people. No. This is the thing. See, this is the thing. But aside from that, we won't go into that argument today. That's another podcast. Um but when I was eating milk or drinking milk, I did make the butter in the thermi and I put olive oil through it. Mm-hmm. But I actually found I had to do a half a bottle of olive oil to get it spreadable. to get it spreadable, mm. um, which really fascinated me because I looked at um, there are olive oil based apparently margarines mm. on the mm-hmm. in the shelves of the supermarkets, which are very soft, very very soft. And before you know. I knew all of this stuff, which was many, many moons ago. I stopped eating margarine, God, would it be 10 years ago? But I know that there are people that I know who have that um, olive oil-based margarine. It's very, very soft. Um, And it actually has an olivey taste to it almost. But it's not olive oil taste. It's just olive flavor. Um, And I was really surprised because I thought, wow, if they're really putting real olive oil into butter to make that soft margarine, that should cost like 25 bucks a tub (laughs) because it takes a lot of olive oil to make a lump of butter, Mm -hmm. real butter, soft. Mm -hmm. And the olive oil goes hard in the damn fridge anyway. So, you know, it kind of defeated the whole purpose. And I couldn't get my head around that. I thought, what are they actually doing and how come I can get? A tub of that olive oil margarine for four ninety nine or five ninety nine or whatever. So that was quite fascinating. Yeah. fascinating. Well, when you read the ingredients of it, um, the first ingredient may be olive oil, and then there might be some other oils that they've thrown in there. But they don't tell you that they've hydrogenated, intersterified it, or fractionated it. Mm-hmm. That what peeves me off. Um, here I am sitting back, relaxing here. Yeah, look at having looking, a conversation. Looking like a rock star, I can just say. <laughs> a slim, gorgeous. Just rock so star. you know what happened is that I'm sitting back on my chair having a you know, just thinking we're having a conversation instead of doing the podcast and not on the microphone. <laughs> and Kim's dragging me to the microphone, just so you knew what was happening there. So um, I have no can, idea what I was I saying. Just, <laughs> well, can I just ask very quickly, um, just last minute point, because a lot of people have asked me this, flax seeds, flaxseed oil, what What's your point around that? Uh, I don't. For me personally, I don't like the taste of flaxseed. It's quite strong. It's it's very strong, and I don't like the taste. And I've I've heard um, some things against it, and I and I can't remember what it was with the anti nutrients in it. Look, don't take my word for it because I cannot remember. But it was the taste that kept putting me off flaxseed. What, so that's why I went looking for other ones, and I thought I'd have to combine a couple, but I ended up finding Inky Inchi, and it was to me um, 
the piece de resistance of mm. all the oils as far as getting your essential fatty acids. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and I do like, I actually like the, the flax seed itself and I grind that up yeah. in my Thermomix and make it fresh. LSA, linseed, sunflower seeds and almonds and I use that as a sprinkle and I, that's how I love having my linseed. And I think that's the best way to have it because uh, it doesn't go rancid, it mm. doesn't go off if you do it straight away. And I, I store it in the freezer too. Oh, and, which and, is a good idea. Yeah. And mm. do you, should we store our nuts in the fridge? What's your Look, thought on they that? They should be in a cold environment if they've been shelled mm-hmm. because if they've been shelled, their, their natural preservation has gone. And very quickly, because yes. I know we're at the end, yes. um, when we call it activated nuts, yes. what exactly does that mean? And how do, does that mean it, it betters the content of the oil or the, the essential fatty acids? Like, what does that mean? So an activated nut is, is like what happens in nature. So if we have a, a shell over the nut and the shell falls, and then the, the nut falls into a moist environment, it will germinate. Mm-hmm. So an activated nut is merely doing what nature would do to germinate the nut. And the germination of the nut is to make everything available for that tree to grow. So when we soak a nut, we're actually faking the germination. We're actually doing the, the germination of, of the whole nut. Is that, is that what you wanted the answer to, Miss Kim? Well, I, think, I think there's been some really interesting um, information take place over the last couple of months about activated nuts. Yes. There was even um, one of the morning shows... There was one of the nutritionists came on on one of the morning shows because there was a Facebook post by a chef and he was talking about how he activated his nuts. And, of course, it, you know, there was this huge big furor around why bother activating your nuts. And then the next morning on one of the morning shows, their the, the resident nutritionist came on and said, look, really not worth it. Don't bother doing it. Not important. No additional benefits to it. Don't waste your time. Mm. She also is an advocate for Diet Coke and margarine, by the way. Um, which nice. was yeah, which was really really fascinating, and it just kind of shot every bit of credibility out the window for any thinking person, I think. Mm. Um, but interesting um, that that's the case when what you're explaining about activated nuts is quite the opposite. That in fact, it's it's probably quite necessary for us to do that. Well, it will it will increase the nutritional value available to the body. That's the whole idea of it. If for some reason you don't activate your nuts because you're in a hurry and, and you want to make kada, let's say, or kadak, and you haven't activated your nuts, go for it. But if you've got time, think about it and just soak your nuts overnight and then they're activated and... And, 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 and it's like the germination process. Of course, it's got to be moist for it to germinate. Otherwise, it I'm won't sorry, work. I, I ran out of the room to get Yes, she did. She went out to eat. Um, <laughs> and can you just tell me, did you then say we slowly heat them in the oven to well, dry them? Well, that's for drying. That's to, to dry, dry them. them. But if you're going to use them straight away, why dry them? It's only for commercial purposes do we need to dry them again. I don't, I don't dry mine again. I don't, don't, don't get that. I, I believe that's for commercial purposes. All we have to do is soak them and then use them, you know? Okay, cool. We can keep talking. Does anybody want a mouthful of my beautiful oh, cashew coconut cream? just the cashew. She has no, no. Be, no, because I actually have to finish the podcast now. And so it no, I can't up. have a mouthful <laughs> of your cashew <laughs> cream. <laughs> it goes up your mouth. So, it actually, it's see? so nice. Mm. 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 I, I can, I'm finished. <laughs> okay, you deserve it, Cindy. You, you have actually done a fat. People, mm-hmm. fat loving people, mm-hmm. fat luscious, mm-hmm. fat luscious. Oh, look at this! If you could mm-hmm. see what I could see, mm-hmm. why don't you feed me some? <laughs> oh my goodness! 
Thank you so much for joining us here and being a fly on the wall at the Up For A Chat studio. We love sharing our conversations with you. We hope you're getting as much out of these as we are. And I know I personally have got a hell of a lot out of today. I've been Googling the bulletproof coffee. I've been Googling walnut oil. She's avocado just spent oils. about $150 online. Yes, have you been talking? yes, I have. I actually have. I've just actually discovered how to make my own avocado oil. Stop it. So, look. You know, research, Google, find out some information for yourselves. Just, you know, this is such an interesting journey to go on. And when you can feel, and and I sit here and I listen to Cindy and Kim, and I mean, yes, I am the guinea pig, and yes, I am the one who's still (laughs) new to all of this stuff, but I, you know, just even the thought and the sound of luscious, real, fresh, cold-pressed, beautiful oils gives me a sensation of 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 hearty completion Mm. inside and it makes me feel at one with nature where I really believe we're in constant pursuit of that sensation so this has been an amazing podcast for me I certainly hope it has been for you guys so go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments about oils or any questions that you've got make sure that you send Cindy um, that email asking for a copy of that those that, that that fats table and join us next week on Up for a Chat and be part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We can't wait to see you then. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Dr. Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys here. Imagine having six internationally renowned health and wellbeing specialists all to yourself for three whole days. Imagine a beautiful tropical location away from the rat race where you can fully immerse yourself in creating a new you. Imagine personalized one-on-one attention to help you break through to the next level. Join the three Up For A Chat girls, Kim Morrison, Cindy Amira and Karen Smith and the three wellness guys, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and myself for the BFO Wellness Retreat at the luxurious Western Resort and Spa in Fiji and make your health a priority. For more information, go to thewellnesscouch.com and click on shop. We can't wait to see you there.